ESPN. This is Bet LA with Anita Marks on 710 ESPN. Previewing all the NFL game odds to get you ready to wager each week on all the NFL action, college football, plus all the local teams and NBA action later this fall. This is Bet LA with Anita Marks on 710 ESPN. And tonight's edition of Bet LA with Anita Marks is made possible by Tiza. Get more focus and energy in your daily life with Tiza nutrient pouches. Visit TizaEnergy.com and make your mouth happy. Bet LA with Anita Marks on 710 ESPN. Bet LA with Anita Marks right now. Welcome back to 710 ESPN LA. You're listening to Bet LA and Cynthia Freeland. You see her all over the NFL network, superstar. Uh, that she is. All right, Cynthia, let's dive right into it. We're going to break down all four games for Wild Card Weekend. And we're going to kick off with the Jacksonville Jaguars going up against the Kansas City Chiefs. Kansas City favored by eight and a half. The over-under is 53. Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes, time to prep. Meanwhile, Jacksonville, a stunning comeback win against the Chargers. My question is, do they have enough gas left in their tank? How are you playing this bad boy? Well, this one's interesting because I do think that we're going to see, in the, like, I don't know what the first half line is, but I think it'll be close in the first half, but that's like the, kind of an opposite of what happened with the Chargers. And I think that the Chiefs will pull away in the second half, primarily because when I look to see what's going on with where the vulnerabilities are in the Chiefs defense, it's, they actually have the second highest passer rating allowed against deep passes. So 10 plus downfield passes, 10 plus air yard passes. So I think that, you know, some tricks right in the beginning, but then I think that as the game goes on, Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, they adapt, and then we see a closer, you know, a, a, a nice them pull away towards the end. So, so are you laying the eight and a half? Like, so for so, I, I have a small lean for the eight and a half. But really, how I love using this, I love using Kansas City as a two-team six-point teaser and teasing them down to minus two and a half. Um, I'm also yeah, going to play. I'm also going to play them, Travis, and, and I'm going to line that with the Giants at plus 13 and a half and or the Bengals at plus 11. Um, I also like Travis Kelsey anytime touchdown and Kansas City wins at even money. Love it. I love that. Yeah. I think the Travis, I mean, look, you've seen a huge susceptibility to the slot, and obviously they've moved Travis Kelsey all around the formation this season. So while in, he might not only be in the slot, I think the fact that they're susceptible in the slot means they're going to try to account for a lot of different things happening. And I think Travis Kelsey, that's like, you know, that's when you have Andy Reid with time, right? Like, it's like, okay, well, we got this play. It looks like it's going to be Juju Smith-Schuster. He's going to run on the slot. And it's actually Travis Kelsey aligned wide and it's a touchdown. Uh, Patrick Mahomes over under two and a half touchdowns. I've got over last time these two teams played each other. He tossed four. Jacksonville doesn't (laughs) blitz much. In fact, they only blitz twice in week 10. And uh, they have one of the worst red zone defenses in the NFL. So I like the over here. Agree or disagree? I agree. I don't think it'll be four. I think that's too many. But I think three is a nice safe bet. But I do think there'll be one rushing touchdown. And I think that the way they've been creatively using their running backs will come to bear fruit in this one, too. As for the Jags, one of my favorites is Trevor Lawrence over 39 and a half passing attempts. Teams average 36 against Kansas City, which is the third most in the NFL. In Week 10, he had 40 attempts, and he had 47 against the Chargers last week. Yeah, I think that's a smart one, too. Like I said, I think they pull away in the second half, meaning 
I actually think that they could win by more. I mean, look, eight and a half is a weird number. It's just not a number that I really love. But, you know, I think they could certainly win by more, which would mean Trevor Lawrence would be throwing later in the game, which would mean a lot of passing attempts, which would be more than, what, 39 and a half? I think that's a, that's a good call. Uh, for the Giants going up against the Eagles. This is the second game on Saturday, and the Eagles are favored by seven and a half. I love the fact that the Giants are getting the hook, so I'm on that. And like I said earlier, I I, I love utilizing them in a two-team six-point teaser and teasing them up to plus 13 and a half. I've got a small lean here towards the over. My question to you is, are you believing that Jalen Hurts' shoulder is A-OK now? Because I'm not. Yeah, I mean, I I think that it's less that I think his shoulder's okay and more that I think that their O-line gets a little healthier with Lane Johnson. And then, of course, the run game is so strong. And with extra time to really focus on that, and especially because the Giants have been vulnerable to the run. I, so it's less that, like, I mean, I don't know how I feel about Jalen Hurts' shoulder explicitly, but I certainly feel better about the run game, which would lead me to believe that he'll only be passing in situations which are more favorable, and especially with the O-line less banged up then I think that's like much more helpful against Dexter Lawrence and Kayvon Thibodeau and you know all of the guys inside that decide that they want to rush the passer. Yeah, I just I, I have a feeling I wrote this in my ESPN column and, and based on what I'm hearing from the Giants facility is like these dudes are like sharks in a water and Jalen Hurts shoulder is like blood and mm-hmm. like you know, I, I think I think they're just like, fine, you know, Miles Sanders wants to rush all over us, which, by the way, that over under 66 and a half. So I'm on the over there. Um, our main goal is to hit and beat up Jalen Hurts as much as possible. I'll tell you what, Cynthia, I would not be shocked if we see Gardner Minshew in this game. I mean, I I hope not just for the sheer fact of like, that would mean something bad for Jalen Hurts, and I want always the team. Yeah, no, no, I know, I know. Weapons, right? So I, I want none of that. But let's let's hope not. Well, I hope I, I hope not either. I'm just listen. This is what t- listen. Th- this is football. This is what teams do. Mm-hmm. If they know that a player has a certain in- injury, they're going to go after that player in that re- in, in regard to that injury because the, I'm sure the Giants know like the best chance that they have of winning is if they do you know, beat up Jalen Hurts. So uh, I, I think that's going to be their, their their goal on, on the defensive line. Um, Ojolari, from what I understand, is going to play. How effective will he be? That's another question mark, but I, he is going to give it a go. Uh, my favorite prop bet in this matchup is uh, Dallas Goddard over 47 and a half receiving yards. Of course, we saw the Giants give up 129 to TJ Hawkinson last week. Um, they are, as we know, a blitz-happy team. So it leaves their midfield very vulnerable. They're 31st in cover rate against opposing tight ends. They've given up 608 mm-hmm. yards after the catch to the position. Are you with me there? Do you like Goddard as well over receiving yards? I definitely like Goddard over receiving yards. I think that's a, I mean, if there's one thing you know, it's that the Giants are going to blitz. You can like set your clock to it. Mm-hmm. Exactly. All right. And, and then we go into Sunday, which I feel – more than like more than likely, but I I think you would agree. Well, I don't know. Maybe people would feel Dallas and the 49ers, but I, I just I feel the best game on the slate, competition wise, is Cincinnati going up against the Buffalo Bills. I'm on the big cats here getting the points, and like I said, I'll utilize them in a two team six point teaser and tease them up. Right now, it's five and a half, so that would be eleven and a half. Um, what's your take on this matchup? 
You know, this one's an interesting one because if both teams are at full, you know, full effectiveness, I would feel differently. But the fact that Cincinnati's down not one, not two, but likely three offensive linemen, 60% of their starting O-line, an O-line that already gave up 41 sacks this season, like that is not ideal, especially because if there's one thing that those Buffalo Bills defenders like really, really love, it's making sure that they sack the quarterback. So while Joe Burrow has been good under pressure, I just think that like this is where Leslie Frazier dials it up. And by the way, they do they play with, you know, multiple and more defensive backs than normal, five or more defensive backs over ninety percent of the time. So you're blanketing the coverage. And sure, Jamar Chasing space is great. But if he doesn't have time to, you know, set the play up at all, it's going to be very difficult. And I just, you know me, I love O-lines. I'm a big O-line person. It makes me feel very scared when their O-line isn't there. Like, I'm like, ooh, it's just hard to, hard to, to imagine that going very well. Yeah, I, that's, a, that's, that's a huge concern. There's no denying that. But this has not been a Bills defense uh, that has been the same without Von Miller, right? Now they're, they come into this, mm-hmm. this matchup 18th in pressure rate and 21 in sack rate. But with that being said, uh, probably my favorite prop bet here is, is Josh Allen, anytime interception. Um, you know, dude's well, he has just 16. been a turnover. He leads the league with 16, so. Right? I mean, what, what gives there? Uh, you know, this is a team, they've got 30 turnovers, most in the NFL this season. Um So what, what, and I think that's going to be like, I can see him like crucial turnover, Cincinnati driving down, scoring a touchdown, kicking a field goal and they cover like, like I I think turnovers are going to be, this, this is a team that, you know, can take advantage of turnovers because just how explosive Joe Burrow and this offense is. Definitely could take advantage of it. Now, here's the thing. If you watch Buffalo's O-line, they split, they spread way out. So their tackles are pulled further apart from their guard than other teams, right? So because Josh Allen wants to run, they're kind of setting it up so then they can constrict really easily, and then he could be outside a tackle with just a little bit of a shift from the tackle, right? So when I'm looking at this, what what could be potentially different in this one, it's really trying to exploit the fact that, number one, I don't think – with the, so the, the Bengals are also banged up in their secondary, meaning Kitabe Wouzier hasn't been playing since, I don't know, I think it was week 13, like for a while now he's been out, lost for the season. That's their number one corner. Eli Apple, I'm sure, you know, Giants fans can tell you he has some great moments and some not so great moments. There's some inconsistency there. You saw it last week against the Ravens. Demarcus Robinson absolutely, you know, tricked him. And that's one of those things where it's like, okay, well, Josh, I think in this one, will 100% be like, all right, I'm not going to get tricked by this because he even admitted it with those turnovers and the, the, the interception on the intended pass to John Brown that you know he's got to take what the defense gives him. And because there's some holes in that defense, I think the defense will give him just enough, especially between Dawson Knox and playoff Gabe and all the different, you know, Cole Beasley and John Brown. So they, they do have a lot of different weapons available to him. I don't think the Cynthia turnover Freeland- I, I think I like it. Ooh, I like the interception, but I don't think it's going to be a punishing turnover is my, my kind of point. I hear you. I hear you. Cynthia Freeland joining us. You can see her all over the NFL network, of course. Um, last game on Sunday night, and that's the Dallas Cowboys going up against the 49ers. It's great as the Dallas Cowboys looked against the Bucs. Uh, still, the 49ers are favored by four. Uh, this line has been fluctuating. It was earlier at three and a half. It's now back to four. Over-under is at 46. This will be the fourth straight road game for the Dallas Cowboys, five of their last six. I think that's key here. 
I, you know, I, I, I think Dallas against the Bucks uh, were smoke and mirrors. I, I just think I didn't expect the Bucks to be that god awful. That game, I just I thought that the Bucks were more awful than the Dallas Cowboys being good, especially as as horrible as they looked against Washington the week before. But nonetheless, how are you playing this one? Yeah, I think, and look, like, I did not think that the Bucks would look that bad either. And then I was watching it back again, and not only did they look terrible, but they also couldn't catch the, the passes that were there, right? Between the bad kind of play calling and then the drops, it just was unfortunate all around. And that one interception, Tom's first red zone interception as a Buck, that changed the entire cadence of the game. So while I'll give a lot of credit to Dak Prescott playing a near-perfect game, it's going to be so much harder to pull mm-hmm. that off against this defense who can get home only rushing forward. They don't need to blitz. They can drop guys back in coverage. Sure, we saw some things from Charvarius Ward that could be targetable, but you know there are just only so many things that you can do when you've got a Bosa coming at you, and you know obviously their O line having to go back. And I got you know we don't know exactly at least by the time at the time you and I are talking who's exactly healthy with the configuration because remember they had a different configuration to start that game. Then there was an injury, and then they had to go back to the one that had been a little bit more susceptible to them to end that game, but it was already kind of out of reach for the Bucks. So that's going to be something that's very, very important and crucial when you got Armstead, you got a Bosa, you got all of this pressure coming at you and not a lot of opportunities to make mistakes there for Dak. Yeah, and, and I think a lot of people are underestimating Purdy. I think they see the way that Dallas played defense, but keep in mind the San Francisco 49ers offensive line head and shoulders above uh, than the Tampa Bay Bucks, that's for sure. So also my play here, I like uh, C-Mac, anytime touchdown and San Francisco wins at, uh, at plus 160. Love so that. So I'm, I'm going pl- to be playing that as well. Okay, Cynthia, before we let you go, give us what, what's your, what, like folks that want to play some DFS this weekend, yep. you know, what are some of the quarter, tell us what are the quarterbacks you're using, wide receivers, running backs, like who are your top guys that you're using in DFS this week? Well, I'm going to, play the look I I always start my lineups by finding the value guys and then filling it in with the more expensive ones because the reality is is like you can't always have like the Christian McCaffrey's and the Saquon's and the you know the big name big money guys so a guy who I still think is undervalued for DFS purposes is Isaiah Hodgins who's had all of the touchdowns and obviously that familiarity with Brian Dable and that offense and doing those subtle little tweaks like you saw a really nice motion ahead of the snap where he was able to just get free and confuse Pat Peterson and Harrison Smith and find that theme for a nice long gain against the Vikings. That's the type of stuff that I think that that trust between he and Daniel Jones and he and the coach, I think that's great for your DFS purposes for a ton of targets. I also think that, you know, look, on, on the Jacksonville side, there's a really nice opportunity for upside. You could look in that one. You could look at Evan Ingram because the tight ends are pretty expensive for all the DFS lineups. You obviously, you touched on Dallas Goddard being a great pick, too, for, for the Eagles against the Giants. That's, a, that's one that I'm really trying to build into a lot of lineups. But I'm really focusing on I'm building a lot around Debo. I'm building others around Christian McCaffrey. I'm not playing the two of them together, obviously. I'm building a lot around Josh Allen because while he may not necessarily like me, he might throw the one pick, I still think he's going to have a monstrous game because the emotions and all the things that are going into it and the fact that his coordinator needs him to not throw a pick and not, you know, he needs to not do everything. He needs to do the right things. And I can also make a case for playing Joe Burrow too. So I'm kind of focusing on... You know, those are kind of my primary focus points, but I am doing a nice contrarian lineup with Brock Purdy. 
Yeah, I like Brock Purdy this week too. Um, he's just he's so what a, that's like a Disney storybook ending uh, to somebody's so, somebody's you know start of their career, not end of their career. Uh, Cynthia, always great having you on. You know how much I adore you, my friends. Uh, have a fantastic wild card weekend. Have so much fun this weekend, and good luck on all your picks. Stay tuned. Nick Wagner, who covers the 49ers, was on with me earlier this week on my Bet Digital show. He'll give us a little preview of what's up with the 49ers. I'll give you my play in that Dallas 49ers game. And we're going to end the show strong with Ohm Youngman Soup talking some NBA, getting you ready for Friday's slate. So still a lot more coming your way here on 710 ESPN LA. This is Ben L.A. with Anita Marks on 710 ESPN. Made possible tonight by Tiza. Get more focus and energy in your daily life with Tiza nutrient pouches. Visit TizaEnergy.com and make your mouth happy. Now more of Ben L.A. with Anita Marks on 710 ESPN. Yeah, I mean, I think that's how rivalries happen. And I, you guys knew it from the 80s um, when it started out. And I, mean, I, just, I remember so much in my childhood from... Sixth grade to ninth grade because I was here 92 to 94, so it was the biggest rivalry in football to me growing up. And then usually that goes away when you don't meet in the playoffs a bunch. And um, we had a big game last year, we got a big game this year, so the more you do that, the bigger it gets again. Kyle Shanahan talking about the uh, the Cowboys and 49ers rivalry that took place. Do, I mean, do you guys even remember that? Like, in, in, in all honesty, do you remember? Like when 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 this matchup uh, revealed itself, you know, in in Dallas beat the Bucks, were you guys like, oh man, I remember the Dallas Cowboys and the 49ers no. from the eighties? No, yeah, no. I'd be I'd be surprised if most Cowboys fans were like, oh, rivalry on. Like, no, they don't know. <laughs> well, I would okay. Time out. I I I, I would. Here's, here's, you know, there's a reason why they're called America's team, right? Because they are on like all over the country. Uh, you know, there are Cowboys, which I find it really interesting. Now, this is, this is pretty cool. Here in New York, there's a sports bar for every NFL team. Mm-hmm. So if you're a Steelers fan, yeah. um, you, you go to Blondie's, right? I think if LA's pretty similar. I think we've got all throughout uh, Southern California, there are sports bars for like all teams everywhere. But I can't say, and, and, and probably why is because New York plays, the Giants play in their division. I can't say that there's a Dallas Cowboys. Although, there's a, there's, there's a lot of um, Eagles bars here. Mm-hmm. But also, you know, you're a stone's throw from Philadelphia. Right. Every, I'm, everything I'm, is I'm so ra- much I'm, more compact over there on the East Coast. I'm trying to, I'm trying to play it out in my head right now. If you, uh, this, is, this, is, this is a need of thinking out loud. Right? Like, mm, wait a minute. There's not a lot of Dallas Cowboy bars here in New York. Oh, well, it's because they play in the division. Oh, but wait. There's a lot of Eagles bars in the city. But wait. They still play in the division. But wait. The Eagles in Philadelphia? Oh, it's only an hour and a half ride. Oh, that must be. This is, this is, this is the thought. This is how it all. This is how it works. I feel like this needs See? to be turned into a segment <laughs> called Anita's is, Thoughts. Anita's Thoughts. <laughs> how things come to be. Um. Anyway, how did we get on this? Oh, Kyle Shanahan talking about the, uh, the rivalry, long history yeah. and the Cowboys rivalry Niners. 
of the Cowboys and Niners, which the majority of people I would imagine listening to the show right now have no idea what that was about uh, in the in in the 80s. Uh, it's okay. Uh, maybe we can start now. So uh, so <laughs> so let's listen in uh, again. Every Monday and Friday, I host a digital gambling show called Bet on ESPN Plus. And, um, I, I always love to, uh, take segments and interviews from that show and play them for you here on bet LA when it's relevant. Nick Wagner, who covers the 49ers was on with me on Monday. Now keep in mind, uh, when I had this conversation with Nick, it was before the Dallas Cowboys and Bucks played each other. So that was part of my question. Let's listen in. Let's welcome in Nick Wagner. He covers the 49ers. Nick, welcome in. Great to have you here on Bet. Let's talk about your team and Brock Purdy. What a story. This is like this is like a, a, a Disney-made movie, right? From Mr. Irrelevant to now he's got the fourth best odds to win the Super Bowl MVP. It's really been amazing. How is how is Purdy, how's Brock Purdy handling, you know, being the center of attention? And in all the hoopla that's, that's, that goes around with not only him, but the 49ers expected possibly now second best odds to win the Super Bowl. Anita, it's been pretty fascinating because you keep looking for tests that Brock Purdy can't pass, and he keeps not just passing them, but doing so with flying colors. You saw him in Las Vegas against the Raiders. It was the first time, you know, a close and late situation, and he was fine. Uh, Helped get them to a win in that game. And then his first playoff game, he goes out and does it again. And what's interesting about that playoff game the other day against the Seahawks, Anita, was Purdy struggled a little bit in the first half. He was 9 of 19. He missed some throws that we've seen him make. He missed some reads that we've seen him make and then at halftime Kyle Shanahan took him aside and said Brock just keep it simple we've got playmakers make sure these guys get the ball in their hands he went out was 9 of 11 for 185 yards in the second half with a couple of touchdowns and added a rushing touchdown and through all of that he seems to just always be the same his teammates aren't even surprised by what he's doing anymore which is you know it's surprising to us because we didn't see what they got to see every day in practice but Fred Warner has said it multiple times Trent Williams was saying it on Saturday that Brock Purdy is constantly the same he never gets too high he never never gets too low and he brings an element of emotion after that second touchdown pass or that touchdown pass he threw to Elijah Mitchell you saw him kind of let all of that out and his team feeds off of that and it keeps him rolling as well it's just unbelievable to me Nick that 31 teams passed on this young man seven times just marinate in that for a minute uh, with that being said this was the 49 team that was down at the half uh, put up 25 unanswered points to come back and of course win they can do it with all that offensive firepower. There's no denying that. But what were the adjustments that they made at the half in order to, to for them to come back and, of course, uh, beat Seattle? Yeah, I, Anita, I think they just kept it simple, and it was really, it wasn't like they played poorly in the first half. I think defensively, there were some things that they needed to tweak, but mainly for them, it was just shutting down the run. Kenneth Walker had 54 rushing yards in the first half. It was the most rushing yards the Niners defense had given up in a half all season to one player, uh, so that their number one priority was to shut that down and then turn things a little bit that way. But offensively, they moved the ball up and down the field on Seattle, despite some of those hiccups that Brock Purdy had. So I've kind of mentioned what Kyle 
Shanahan said to Purdy, which was, you know, make sure you're getting the ball to these guys, distribute it to them, and let them do their thing. You saw that with that 74-yard touchdown to Debo Samuel. What was funny after the game, Anita, was I was talking to George Kittle, and I asked him, how did Brock respond after he struggled a little bit? It was kind of the first time we see it. Was it nerves being in the postseason? And George Kittle said, nah, he just really, he just needed to get out there, make a couple plays. We got that first drive out of the locker room for a touchdown, and then it was the same old Brock, which is extra funny to me because the same old Brock for a guy who's, you know, started six games in the NFL, and we're already talking about him like he's been a 10-year veteran in this league. Unbelievable. All right, so like all of us, the Niners, I would imagine that they're having a watch party at somebody's house. I didn't get the invite. It's okay. Uh, but we're all going to be watching tonight the Bucks going up against the Dallas Cowboys. Now, as we know, they beat the Bucks in early December, but they haven't faced the Dallas Cowboys yet this season. Which is the better matchup? What? Who do you, who do you feel the 49ers would rather face this coming weekend? Yeah, you could make a case for both of them. I think that, you know, because they played the Bucks not that long ago, it was about a month ago, and they beat them handily, you could say that would be the one they'd prefer. But there's still that little bit of PTSD, Tom Brady PTSD that Kyle Shanahan is dealing with, um, even in that game it, back here in Santa Clara in mid-December, where the Niners went up 35-7, and Kyle Shanahan didn't quite feel comfortable until it got to the fourth quarter, just based on that experience from that Super Bowl when he was in Atlanta. You know, last year they were able to beat the Cowboys in the playoffs, so they have a certain amount of confidence there. I don't think that they're super concerned with anything but what they do. And, Anita, we love to make this game so difficult sometimes. We, we break it down to, you know, the, the smallest little things. But sometimes it really is as simple as just the turnover battle. And there's no team that that's more true than, for the 40, than it is for the 49ers. This season, when they've had one turnover or zero turnovers in a game, they are undefeated. When they've had multiple turnovers in a game, they are 0-4. It's just that simple, and I think that's really what they're concerned about is making sure that they just keep doing what they've been doing throughout this 11-game winning streak, taking care of the ball, getting some big plays from their playmakers, and having that defense just continue to get takeaways and win the turnover battle. It's a great story, like I said, made for Disney movie. And I'm not just saying that because we have Mickey and Minnie on our paychecks. <laughs> of course, if you don't have direct deposit. Uh, Nick, thank you so much. Really do appreciate you. We really do have Mickey and Minnie printed on our checks if you do not have direct deposit. Did you guys know that? Do you? Guys, I'm assuming we oh, don't yeah. have direct deposit. Yeah. Yeah, I've never been so, happier to see Mickey and Minnie. Yeah, yeah. Whenever Mickey and Minnie show up in your mailbox, it's always great. Um, <laughs> so that's Nick Wagner. Great insight in regard to the 49ers. Uh, when we come back, I will give you all my plays for the Dallas Cowboys and 49ers game. And, uh, and like I said, we will end the show strong with young Ohm, young Mansouk, uh, who's going to get us ready for the NBA slate on Friday night and some futures odds. As we know, LeBron set to, of course, break that scoring title in the NBA this season. And you could wager which game it happens in, in February. So Ohm and I dive into that as well. Interesting discussion. So stay tuned. More to come. Dallas Cowboy 49ers pick next. Anita Marks with you. Bet LA here on 710 ESPN LA. This is Bet LA with Anita Marks on 710 ESPN. Made possible tonight by Tiza. Get more focus and energy in your daily life with Tiza nutrient pouches. Visit TizaEnergy.com and make your mouth happy. Now more of Bet L.A. with Anita Marks on 710 ESPN.
You know, everyone thought, you know, we were going to be first round exits and stuff like that. But, you know, we just got each other's back. And at the end of the day, we know we're capable of, we know how much talent we have on this team. And, you know, that nobody can stop us if we're on our game. So. That is Diggs, DB for the Dallas Cowboys as they get ready to take on the San Francisco 49ers. Um, going to give you my picks and plays here, and then, of course, uh, we're going to switch our attention and end the, so, end the show strong with some NBA picks and plays with Ohm Youngman Souk. So definitely stay tuned for that uh, for all you NBA junkies out there. Um, all right, so Dallas and the 49ers. 49ers, now this line is fluctuating uh, it was at four earlier today. It was at three and a half when it was. I bought the hook down. What does that mean? Uh, so it was at three and a half. And I said, you know what? I just, I'm someone, I just, I don't like the hook. I do believe San Francisco is going to win. But look, we've seen crazy things happen. Look what happened in the Miami Dolphin Bills game. So I bought the hook down to minus three. So I've got the 49ers at minus three. And so... I bought it down so the odds are more. So, so I bought it it's minus 135. So what does that mean? I have to lay $135 down to win $100, okay? But it's back up to four now. So I, I still, I, I, I'll still play the 49ers. I think they win convincingly, um, but I love them at, at minus three. I like them at minus four. I love them at minus three. And there's some other ways that I'm going to play this. So hang, hang, hang tight. And I'll share that with you, but give me Kyle Shanahan, Kyle Shanahan over Mike McCarthy seven days a week and twice on Sunday night. That's for sure. This is a 49ers team. They're rested. They have three days rest and advanced preparation uh, in this matchup. Meanwhile, for Dallas, this is their fourth road trip, five in their last six games. Um, this is a 49ers team. They've won 11 straight by a point differential of plus 179. Again, I'm going to say marinate in that for a second. Uh, they do have a good offensive line that I feel will protect Purdy. I know a lot of people saw what Dallas did against the Bucks and Tom Brady. Tom Brady looks so bad. Not with this offensive line and in, in, in this plethora of weapons that Purdy's working with. I, I just don't see it. Uh, Dallas, their rush defense, giving up 4.4 yards per carry somewhere middle of the middle of the pack. So, you know, they're, they're not, you know, it's not impossible to rush against them, but, um, but it's, 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 it's going to be a good challenge. Uh, this will be the best defense that Dallas has faced all season long. Okay. The absolute best. Meanwhile, for Dallas, Dak Prescott, interception galore. I know he looked great against the Bucs, but keep in mind the Bucs 26th in the NFL in interception rate. The 49ers third best in the NFL in interception rate. He's got 20 interceptions on the season, and this is a team that has 29 takeaways um, on the season. Okay? Or giveaways, I should say. Giveaways on the season. Their special teams is a mess because their field goal kicker is a head case. And, and Dallas's pass defense is going to be without Anthony Brown, which is going to open up the passing game for Purdy. So how am I playing this outside of the 49ers minus three? So keep an eye on, on, on that line. If it jumps down to three and a half again, and you could buy the hook down uh, to minus 135, that's how I would play it. I'd still play it at four. I just love it at three. I like it at four. Some other ways I'm going to play it. Purdy over one and a half touchdown passes over 239 and a half passing yards. He's, he's got Debo. 
He's got C-Mac. He's got Ayuk. He's got Kittle. He's got so many weapons there that he's working with. Yards after the catch because of how athletic these cats are. Boy, watch out. Touchdown and San Francisco wins. C-Mac plus 160. Debo plus 285. Ayuk plus 390. I'm playing all of that. Dak Prescott interception minus 150. Zeke under 34 and a half rushing yards. Yeah, I don't think he's going to be able to rush against this 49ers defense that is just so damn good. And um, CeeDee Lamb, anytime touchdown at plus 155. Also, I have him at over 77 and a half receiving yards. If there's one weakness in this 49ers defense, it is against the pass and wide receivers. And CeeDee Lamb is just uncoverable. So that's how I'm playing uh, this matchup. So, um, so I've, I've given you... I've given you all that I got. (laughs) I've spent, talk about a plethora. I've spent a plethora of time uh, doing a deep dive into all these matchups. And now you have them all. If you missed any portion of the show, uh, it will be up online so you can listen to it. So, uh, so keep that in mind, getting you ready for all four games on the slate, but we're, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to switch gears. Uh, Ohm Youngman Souk is going to join us to talk some NBA, getting you ready for Friday's slate and some futures bets as well. We'll do that next here on bet LA 710 ESPN LA. This is Ben L.A. with Anita Marks on 710 ESPN. Made possible tonight by Tiza. Get more focus and energy in your daily life with Tiza nutrient pouches. Visit TizaEnergy.com and make your mouth happy. Now more of Ben L.A. with Anita Marks on 710 ESPN. Welcome back to Bet LA here on 710 ESPN LA. We're going to end the show strong, talking some NBA with you with Ohm Youngman Souk, who joins us now. Ohm, good evening. How you doing? What's going on, Anita? How are you? I'm great. I'm, I'm doing great. Uh, you know, this is such a great time of the year, right? Like, actually, it is kind of bittersweet. You know, we're, we're entering into, uh, you know, wild card win, which means there's mm-hmm. only, after this weekend, there's only three games left, right? AFC, NFC Championship, the Super Bowl. And then, of course, that's when March Madness is right. So it's kind of bittersweet, like sad that NFL is coming to an end, but excited for March Madness. And then before we know it, NBA playoffs. Uh, so it's, it's, it's an interesting time of the year. But I wanted to bring you on. Let's feed the people. What I'd like to do is feed them some winners, get them in the know of some of the games that are happening on the Friday night NBA slate so that they're ready to go playing with house money heading into Saturday and Sunday. So let's start first things first with the Clippers, a team you're very familiar with. Uh, Friday, they go up against the Spurs, who are uh, have their mindset on the lottery and, of course, trying to attain that number one overall pick. But the Clippers are favored by seven against the Spurs. The over-under is 232. I was reading, um, this, is the se- this will be the 17th game, only the 17th game. That, that Paul George and Kawhi will be playing on the same court together. Meanwhile, expected no wall, no canard. Uh, and as we know, Kawhi definitely wants to beat uh, the Spurs, that's for sure. So I, I'm, I'm leaning towards the Clippers here. I, I'm not worried about laying the seven. What say you? How do you see this game playing out? So Clippers are favored by seven in this game. Um, <clears throat> the, yep. I, oh, I is that too, you, is that too juicy? Not, not is that too well. juicy for your blood? <laughs> <laughs> they are not playing well, Anita. They've lost nine of their last 11 games. 
this will be Paul George's second game back from a hamstring injury, which he re-aggravated. Um, so they're not playing well. But given all of that, uh, with Paul and Kawhi back on the floor together for only, as I said, the 17th time, I think they should cover. They have not played well at all. Let me just tell you that. Everything has been pretty ugly for them. Um, so they need this game badly. And that's why I would think with San Antonio in the Wembenyama sweepstakes that this should go the Clippers way. But I will warn you, they have not been playing well in several facets of their game. So, so you're saying, you know, listen, the money line here is minus 285. So what does that mean? If you're playing the Clippers, it means you're laying $285 to win a hundred. Listen, it's not as bad as laying a million dollars to win 11,000, which whatever crazy dude lost going up against the, putting on the chargers over Jackson. You heard that, right? You, you, you heard that, that, that story, some guy put a down a million dollars to win $11,000 on the chargers against Jacksonville. Oh no. <laughs> yes, I did not yes, hear that story. Yes. Yes. So this isn't that bad. Uh, but nonetheless, no. it's, it's, it is a little bit too much, a little bit too much juice for me. What about the over under at two thirty two? Do you think a lot of points are going to be scored in this game? Um, Clippers have not scored a ton of points recently, but, um, you know, San Antonio does tend to not really play a lot of defense. So, uh, no. I, I guess this could be a high scoring game. Um, you know, with, with Kawhi and Paul George back, I suppose, but I, like, like I said, they, Nothing has been going well for them. This has to be a get-right game for the Clippers. So, just bigger picture here, as we get closer to the to, to the postseason, like, do you see? Like, are, are you getting the sense that you know that they'll they will turn it around? I, I mean, when you look at their on paper, they should be able to compete and contend. They've got so much depth. They've got a lot of talent. Like, you know, obviously, it comes down to health. But what's your gut telling you, Ohm? Do you think this will be a team that, that will be able to turn around as we get closer to the postseason and, and, and compete and contend? I think this is a team that's going to go into the playoffs with a lot of the same question marks that they have had ever since Paul George and Kawhi Leonard got together. Um, the same – I mentioned this to Doc Rivers the other night because Philadelphia was in town, and I said, in many ways we're talking about the Clippers in the same fashion that we talked about when you were here – that they don't have enough chemistry, not enough continuity, and Paul George and Kawhi Leonard aren't on the floor together enough time. And he t- said to me, uh, I already lived that life. Um, and he said, but at least they've been through some playoff wars together as opposed to when they started with Doc. It was just our first year. And he said, we only had two practices together. Um, I think they're going to go into the playoffs with a lot of the same question marks, like do they have enough chemistry? Do they have enough continuity? I think we're going to see the Clippers potentially try to make a trade uh, before the trade deadline and see what's out there right now. The price is very expensive for a lot of teams for whatever parts they may want. Uh, maybe that price comes down, come trade deadline and the Clippers, it's usually the same culprits of what they're looking for. Uh, come trade deadline, it's a point guard leadership, somebody who can get them into their sets better and also a backup big man who can help them re- rebounding and protecting the rim. So um, these are all things that they need um more than anything else they need time together but there definitely seems like there's something really missing with this team they just don't really look that engaged right now they could just be going through you know the mid-season slump but it 
usually they they tend to snap out of this. This is now nine out of ten, nine out of eleven games they've lost, and they just look like they just have like no burst energy and chemistry and continuity. Uh, I hear you, and we see it. I'm sure there's just a lot of Clipper fans out there that are hoping that that narrative changes. Uh, another game on uh, on the slate tomorrow is uh, Boston. Um, I'm sorry, the Warriors going up against the Cavs. And, of course, uh, really down-to-the-wire game, very competitive game. The Warriors coming off of Boston. Now they have to take on a good Cavs team. Cavs favored by one. I'm sorry, Cavs favored by six. And the over-under is 250. Who do you like in this matchup? Um, Cleveland plays really well at home. Uh, this is also, I think, a, a coming off a back-to-back for Golden State. So we don't know who Steve Kerr is going to play or not. Um, I know that they are starting to get a little bit healthier. I think Kuminga, you know, they, they were talking about Kuminga being back and stuff like that. So I think it all depends on if the Warriors are playing their guys. Um, obviously, they had a big game in Boston. Finals rematch. That obviously is going to have their attention. Um, and then going to Cleveland, listen, the Cavs are a good team in their own right. Uh, I think we just got to see, like, does Golden State follow kind of like – you know, it, the pattern that it tends to do sometimes and rest their starters uh, or rest a key starter here or there. Even with that said, I still think Golden State's going to play well, uh, but Cleveland has been very good at the road. So I would, I mean, at home, so I would kind of lean toward Cleveland. Very interesting. The last time these two teams played each other was back in November 11th of 2022. So this is going to be a good one for sure. Um, you know, let's, let's, let's end on the Grizzlies going up against the Lakers. Grizzlies favored by six and a half in LA to take on the Lakers. Now Grizzlies, of course, they've looked fantastic. They're looking for their franchise best 12 straight, but also earlier today, news broke that LeBron's dealing with an ankle issue. Of course, his last four games, he's averaging 35 points a game. With that being said, as good as the Grizzlies have looked and the question mark, whether or not LeBron's going to play or not six and a half. That's not bad. How are you playing this one? Uh, well, if LeBron doesn't play, I'm looking at uh, leaning heavily toward Memphis. I, I still think look, that the, even though the Lakers have lost four of their last five, they've been in these games. They've been competitive. The execution hasn't been there at the end. Um, so, I mean, I think Memphis is going to win this game overall. I do think, I don't think it's going to be a blowout um, unless LeBron doesn't play. Um, so it's an ESPN game. So I, I would say if LeBron plays at six, that's a that's a tough one too. I would probably take Memphis just because their execution, the Lakers' execution down the stretch, like this game could be close, but then all of a sudden Memphis pulls away late. Um, so I, I guess I would take Memphis with that six to cover. And keep in mind, you know, the motivation there as well is, you know, again, ESPN game, but also motivation is they're looking for their franchise best 12 straight wins in a row. So there's extra motivation there. Uh, before we let you go, let's look at some of the futures bets, right? And uh, obviously one of the big storylines, of course, is LeBron James. Uh, when is he going to break that scoring title? Um, and so where it stands right now, he's 284 points away. Okay, so and you, you want to average, you know, typically he's averaging 29 points a game. I know I know his last uh, four games, he's averaging 35, 48. He put up on Monday, 32. He put up on Wednesday, but typically he's averaging 29 points a game. So you've got to think 10 more games that puts him in the realm of 
beginning to mid-February. So February 7th, he's going up against OKC. You could bet that he breaks the record there at plus 195. February 9th, he's going up against the Bucks. You can bet that he's going to break the record there at 205. And February 11th, he's going up against Golden State. And you could bet that he's going to break the record at plus 310. So based on what you've seen from him, and, and again, this is a fun prop bet, right? Like, we, like none of us have a crystal ball. We, how many games is he going to sit out? How many games is he going to play? But if, if, if you had to wager on any of these, what would it be? LeBron has a sense for the, the, the dramatic and the theatrics, and he also knows mm-hmm. his history. Uh, he also knows his moments. I, am, I had said when the season, they asked all of us, the ESPN writers, to predict which game he would break the record. I picked Milwaukee because February 9th, because of Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, you know, having played for the Bucks. What that meant, it would be at home. Kareem could be there. You know, he breaks it against his old team. So I thought maybe that would be a good one. But you know what? Golden State, obviously his old nemesis, his old rival, that is an ABC game on February 11th on Saturday night. Um, I think it's going to be one of those two games. But I, if I had to bet, uh, you know, I would probably bet Milwaukee. I'm going to stick with my, my, uh, my prediction that – Perhaps he would. He does it at home. I think he would like to do it at home, and nothing would be better than you know, obviously having the captain there in in attendance, um, and then watching him do it against you know Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's old team. I love it. I love it. Great stuff, Ohm. As always, you rock, my friend. Thank you so much for spending time with us. Uh, and enjoy the rest of your evening. All right, Anya. Good luck with uh, all your games this weekend, because I know you're probably going to put down some bets too, right? <laughs> Absolutely. I'll, I'll, shoot, I'll shoot you an email of my plethora of plays for all four games. <laughs> awesome. Good luck. Good luck you got to everybody. It. You got it. Thank you, sweetheart. You have a great night. Om Youngman Souk joining us. He does a phenomenal job covering all things NBA out there on the West Coast. He used to live here on the East Coast, and uh, we, we spent some time together while he covered the Giants, and, and we all here in New York miss him dearly. Oh, This concludes our show. Hopefully you have enjoyed it. We've got you ready for Wild Card Weekend. I want to thank Dave Spadaro with the Eagles uh, preview, Fat Jack Professional Handicapper, Vic Carucci with the Bills preview, Cynthia Freeland, and of course, Ohm, Sprinkle in a few other cast of characters and getting you ready, locked in for Wild Card Weekend. You've been listening to Bet LA, Tyler, Rebecca, our producers, always do a phenomenal job. Everybody enjoy the rest of uh, your evening, of course, Friday, and, uh, and good luck on Saturday. We'll be back next week right here on 710. ESPN LA.